Greetings, travelers. I'm Josh. And I'm Kahi. And we're the, the Genshin, Genshin guys. guys. Welcome all. This podcast is for fans of Genshin Impact, the mobile game made by Hoyoverse, also known as MiHoYo. Here we talk about our opinions, experiences, and dreams about Genshin Impact. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. So before we get started, Kahi, how are you doing today? Slightly overwhelmed this week. There is way too much I had to do this week. Like, like set aside work. Like, the new season of anime has, like, so many shows in my queue again, and I have to catch <laughs> up on all the other shows. I mean, all the stuff in Genshin came out, all the stuff in Destiny 2 came out, and I'm trying to do two big events at once. And then I'm still trying to keep up with wait, wait, wait. Star Rail. Don't tell me Destiny is also <laughs> doing a circus event where they're trapped in a magic genie bottle. Okay, it's not exactly, but it is like an island that's only temporary, and then you have to do the things on this floating island, and then afterwards, like it literally gets blown to blown to pieces. So, oh well, then okay. time limited space and events. It's it's pretty basic, but the other thing is, I'm I know we're not going to be covering Honkai Star real much, but did you did you play the last <laughs> like patch story? Yeah, we yeah yeah I did. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. don't want to like talk about it on here because nah, you know, nah, but nah, like, nah. but um. Man, maybe we crazy should, stuff. Maybe we should just do crazy like crazy stuff. We should just do a new podcast episode, uh, uh, another Honkai episode, <laughs> and just just uh, just talk about that because it was freaking mm-hmm. insane. Okay, anyway, sorry. That was continue. cool. Continue. I was not <laughs> expecting that. No, that's yeah, that's me. That's I'm overwhelmed by all the stuff I have to do in my games. I mean, they're not really chores. They're honestly things I want to do. Right. Like, I want to experience the story. Want to just not play enough time the events, in the day. Get some stuff. Yeah. Not enough. Well, night. <laughs> I really only play at night right, now. Right. 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 <laughs> But yeah, that's my week. Um, that's outside of Genshin. What about you? What's up? What's been new with you? Um, so I have been playing Final Fantasy 16, and it is very, very good. And okay, so I really like action games and you know Devil May Cry style fighting. So it it fits for me. But the thing is, like weirdly enough, so far it doesn't really feel like a Final Fantasy game. Well, and, they had the director for combat of Devil May Cry, right? Right, but like, um, it doesn't feel like guys. a Final Fantasy game, uh, like even story-wise to some degree, because, um, I don't know, it it feels like, cause okay, well, I I remember like reading about this or hearing about this, but like apparently the director of this game made the entire development crew watch Game of Thrones, and that's like the, basically the inspiration for the whole thing. And um, it's very Games of Thronesy for sure. Like, there's a lot of similar uh, moments uh, that it would fit in Game of Thrones, and they have a lot of um, and and all like all the voice actors are basically British, and they the game is lip synced to English. Like, it's it's really meant to give you the full Game of Thrones esque experience with like knights and magic and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, I don't know. It doesn't really like feel. It doesn't really like feel like Final Fantasy yet. I don't know if the, we'll get to yeah, that point. I keep hearing that. Yes. Yeah, it's a common it's, thing. It's like kind of. There are some crazy moments with like the big summons and like all the stuff like you see in the trailer. But well, let me say, I'm like, I'm about I'm only like I don't know, ten to fifteen hours in. Um. So like, I know it'll it'll like start ramping up in some point. But it is um it is visually impressive for some of the like those those main like event scenes that are happening like really major story points are really nice to look at yeah it's but it's a great experience so far really enjoying it um other than that not much uh just 
playing some guitar, doing some voice acting stuff. Um, just working my way, working my way up. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. So that being said, I'll introduce today's topics. First of all, as always, we have our weeks in Genshin, Genshin News. And today we will be doing a lore learn along for Eula. So Eula, you know, the character who was not around for a very long time. Uh, many people waiting for her. She's finally here in this new event that is happening right now, which we will be talking about next week, by the way, on the next podcast episode. But um, Eula has a very interesting character backstory, and we wanted to dive into it a little bit um, here on the podcast. So we're going to be uh, doing our lore learn along today for that. And then we will be talking about a short discussion on permanent death in Genshin. So, you know, Senora being de- dead <laughs> in the story, like, is that permanent? Like, no how do other we way feel to about say that? It. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I like, want to say just like gone. a euf- euphemistic word, like a nice word, like she's gone. Like, no, you know, it's like, yeah, she's dead, you know? And so uh, she was obliterated, you know? Um, but, and as much as we like Senora and maybe want to see her come back, like, do we think it's something that might happen? Um, how do we feel about it? We will talk about that very briefly today as well. And after that, we have our community discussion question, followed by our last wish segment. So before we get started, I just want to do another quick shout out for the Discord. If you're not already in the Discord, join us. We have so many fun people to talk to. We have Sarah Q teaching people how to do Spiral Abyss, you know, at any level, you know, checking if your account is ready. We have um, Kazu doing camera contests for Genshin. You go in, you take some pictures in your game, you share it with everybody. We have some contests, you get some fun Discord little prizes. Um, yeah, come check it out. We're, you know, we're having a lot of fun there talking about stuff. We talk about Genshin, we talk about Honkai, we talk about other stuff as well. Um, general entertainment, you know, anime, manga, all this stuff. So come and join us if you want to hang out and be a part of our community. Yes. So let's get started with our first segment, our weeks in Genshin. Okay, Kahi, so how has your week in Genshin Impact been? So I've been mainly focused on finishing the Bottle Land story, which I finally reached the end just the other night, and I really like it. Uh, we're going to have a discussion on the next episode, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but I really do like that, uh, the cutscene. Very, very fun. Music is, I love the music in this entire space. It's just been such, such fun to listen to, just going on to that monorail, that little, <laughs> the Sumeru base train. Very, very fun. It's, it's right? really fun. Really, yeah, really, really Fontaine. You can definitely feel some, some hints and some you know, transitory themes and items and objects that you're probably gonna have something similar in the next next patch. But yeah, it's it's a fun area. I like this area. It's it's honestly better in uh, some ways and not, but it's very very reminiscent of the Grant the Golden Apple Archipelago, mm-hmm. but it's a, in a forest. So right. I, I do get the same vibe, but I just like this new space. It is very refreshing, even though it is Sumeru, but it still feels sort of new, but interesting Interesting enough. It's it's really fun. Other than that, still trying to spend my resin just to make sure I get all my characters up to up to par. I am almost able to triple crown Yalan. Oh. I think I'm, I'm right about to get her a good weapon for her to 90 so that she's going to be in like a perfect state to interact with other hydro characters. Um, <laughs> I see what you're doing. 
yeah, preparing a little for bit, Fontaine. A little bit of artifact for him. Yep, always been preparing. I've been preparing for Fontaine for like months. <laughs> so I'm just getting artifacts I know will be good for Hydro, HP artifacts, any Hydro character. I've been preparing for Fontaine up. since Sumeru came out. <laughs> I've been preparing for this my whole life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's just, that's just me. And of course, I have other games that I got to keep up with as well. So I'm um, not as hyper-focused, but definitely good focus. But what about you? Anything new you've been up to? Um, I mean, I've just been also trying to like power up my account in terms of like using my resources efficiently. Like I'm trying, I finally got Shangling to uh, pass level 80, which is great because she was just sitting there for a while. So now I have the national team. I have Xingqiu, Bennett, and Shangling all at, well, Shangling is still 86, but they're basically all going to be at 90 now, which is really great. I'm working on leveling Kokomi and Fischl next. Um, I'm going to start doing the old Fischl Yoimiya combo, the uh, the whole like, sh- you know, explosion shooting. Like, I love it. It's really great. Um, so I'm going to do that. And I uh, also started on stream yesterday, Kaveh's Hangout. And have you done Kaveh's Hangout? I have not actually. I haven't done so many Hangouts recently because there's actually a lot of other content that. Yeah. We got, hey, we got to start doing hangouts. I'm going to try to do all the hangouts we before really Fontaine should. because mm-hmm. um, it's great. Like, the hangouts are great. And the Kaveh's the hangout is really great. Obviously, it's the newest one, so it definitely feels, like, high quality. Um, but, you know, you actually get to uh, learn about, a little bit about his, like, his mother as well. Like, knowing, you know, we know that she's in Fontaine. She's in Fontaine, yeah. Yeah, and, like. You mentioned that during the last right. event, like, the. What is it? The inner Darshan. The, yeah, yeah. The Darshan one, yes. Yeah. So we we learned that, but they go more in depth, a lot in depth. Enough in depth that there is actually recorded voice lines of Kaveh's mother. So you gotta check oh, it really? out. Yes, you gotta check it out. Okay. So um oh yeah, anyway, I I only went through two of the story endings and they were so good. They were so different. Um, but it was really fun. I'm excited to do the rest. I'll probably be doing more hangouts on stream. So if you want to come join me. Uh, people's listening feel free to come join um, and that's what I was doing it was like I'm just working on my account I'm thinking to work on hangouts I got uh, Narukami Island to 100% which is great I'm working on my exploration to 100% before Fontaine as well so it's gonna take a little effort but I think I can do it before Fontaine so I just remembered um, since we we're gonna be talking about Eula I made a Eula team did you make a Eula team are you using her do you have her yeah okay I'm, so I made a Eula team, and I didn't really know this was gonna work, but I do like I really do like Hyperbloom, so I'm trying to find a way to work that in. And even though, what Eula's physical <laughs> boost? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the team. So I have Eula, obviously. Next up, I do have Yelan because every time you do uh, her Eula's skill, it does Cryo, and then as you attack, it applies the Hydro in the middle of the attack. And then with a claymore, it does shatter damage as well. So I'm always doing like freeze, shatter, uh-huh. uh huh, like really, really high physical D- DPS. So I have her, and I also have Yaimiko, so I can lay down like three electro turrets, uh-huh. so that while everything's going on, there's always a consistent something will always be hitting that the enemy, like at least like two times a second, it's a couple times a second. Okay. So it's very like. There's a lot of a lot of attacks going on, and then I have a healer, which is Yao Yao, because when Yao Yao applies Dendro, which is also like a, a little mini turret, and then you have the electro mini turrets, and then you have Yalan's uh, burst applying Hydro every time, 
you have a lot of interactions going on. So basically, I have a Yula, Yalan, Yaimiko, and a Yao Yao team. So, so basically, that's basically the Yao 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 team. So basically, uh, <laughs> so basically, Yula has no business being in that team. Actually, <laughs> not really. But yeah, like, Yula's but, just yeah, there to not? like round you it could, out. You could literally just throw anybody in there. Like it's <laughs> kind of great. Um, but you just gave me a really good idea for a mm-hmm. uh, a Yula team, which I will uh, experiment with and get back to you later. But it involves Candice. So there's a there's a hint. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the, what's it called? Like, so Eula, uh, my Eula team actually has Xinyan in it. I was actually thinking of leveling up Xinyan a bit more because I just learned about Xinyan recently. Thanks to one of our, uh, po- podcast, uh, uh, community members, Peachy, who mained Xinyan for a while, apparently. And so Xinyan has like, when she does her, like at one of her constellations, um, I think maybe C4, um, when she hits people with her skill she usually gets a shield right and um when she hits people with the skill it actually lowers physical damage resistance by 15 percent and then she has need a, to hit two people no no i think it just it's just in general if you hit them with it. oh no right 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 the and skill is making a shield but yes, if you hit two it emits it makes fire a, pulses it makes a better shield right yeah and um then uh, one of her constellations makes it so if you just hit one person you actually get the second level of the shield i believe um and then, what's it called? When when your character is, when when your active character is covered by this shield, they do increased fifteen percent extra physical damage. So she lowers oh, it's a physical, physical resistance. boost. Okay. Yeah, she lowers physical resistance and she boosts physical damage. So it's like what? Like what? Do people like not know Shinyan? I exists? always thought it was Pyro. <laughs> yeah, no, no it's yeah, like yeah. Shinyan is a is a physical damage character. Like the fact that she has Pyro is misleading because she. She doesn't use it, you know, like even her burst is like physical damage, which is funny because it shoots out a bunch of fire. So, um, so yeah, so I'm looking into like that a little bit. And so my, my Eula team right now is like, uh, I haven't like worked on it, worked on it, but like, I just threw together, um, Raiden Shogun, uh, for the, for the Electro and, um, Rosaria and Shinyan and Eula. So yeah, it's like a pretty interesting team. And, um, I was, I was like, the thing is like those characters, Rosaria and Shinyan for me are not leveled up. So I don't see like a huge damage increase or anything like that, but I'm kind of just like experimenting with it. I'm sure there's like better optimal teams, but I just, I was just trying to have fun because I like using Eula, especially during the event. So here we are. Um, so that's kind of how our weeks in Genshin have been, I guess. Now let's move on to Genshin news. Okay, so in Genshin news this week, we had a birthday, July 19th, Tartaglia. Happy birthday to you, child. And uh, we have the new banners coming out next week. The announcement came. It's uh, We know that it's Kokomi and Wanderer, but what four stars are on these banners? So, Yanfei, Rosaria, and Faruzan. Well, I happen to have all C64, so I'm definitely not going to roll for those people. Kahi, are you interested in rolling for uh, any of these banners? Well, the thing is, I mean, I have all these characters. I have Wanderer, I have Farwazan, and you have I do remember having. I have Kokomi, yeah. Okay, nice. I have. I put Wanderer on an all animal team, and it's working out pretty well. Because you move a lot faster, you do a lot more animal damage. Farwazan has good crowd control. I mean, I also have Sayu on the team and Sucrose, so I don't really have to worry about getting hit. And if I get hit, I have Sayu, and then Wanderer just flies away from them all. It's great. It's actually a pretty fun team. 
been really good. Nice. Might go for the his weapon though, because it does increase his attack speed. Yeah. I know. I thought about it, but like I'm kind of just gonna wait and see what the 4.0 live stream is like. You know what I mean? Because I kind of might want to save all my Primo gems. So. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, I have like 80 tucked away. 80 um, pulls. I'm probably gonna get to 100. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, how often do you really use Wander? You know, like it, it's good for Hazo too, but um, for me, it's like I love Wander, and I've I've actually like invested in him quite a bit. But is the is it significant enough for me to get his weapon over like getting new characters without having to pay money to get more Primo gems? Because I will do it if I have to later. But for now, I I want to save as much as possible. So um, I'm like very debating. Like it might take me to the last second to decide if i want to actually try to pull his weapon but you know weapon banners man they're, they're so they're so difficult <laughs> they're so risky well there was i do remember a time a long time ago that i got i really did not want to pull on the weapon banner but there was a weapon that i really really wanted i forgot what it was but i got like Song two five-star weapons and a four time yeah it might have been that one because like i think that's the first five-star weapon you got right uh oh no wolf wolf gravestone no, no, I mean like that you, that you rolled for on the, on the banner, like uh, what, what's the first weapon banner you like, actually went. I want that weapon, after? and you like, yeah, you went after it. I'm pretty sure it was Yula's weapon. Yeah, I think so, because that was really early. Yeah. And then when you told me you have Song of Broken Pines, which I didn't even realize you had, I was like, mm -hmm. oh crap, like that was a long time ago. <laughs> like, you definitely didn't get it on the second, the second playthrough. Yeah, I think. I mean the second. No, no, I got it. I got it really early. I got yeah. Yula and her weapon like early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up bringing her back just because she's relevant again, and she's like, she's cool. Yeah. Um. Dang, you have the, a weapon. The, that's, that's awesome, man. I'm it's really the freaking, cool because I was the four star star to him silver <laughs> physical damage <laughs> weapon. Like. Oh. Yeah. Poor thing. Oh well. Her weapon claymores are really good. I was really into claymores early on, especially yeah. when Yula came out because. When you can attack faster, of course, Beto. <laughs> um, when you can attack faster with a claymore. That's like the best damage that you could do. Like even it's fast and it's like high damage. Mm -hmm. If you could attack with a claymore as fast as a regular sword, that's just completely broken. Yeah, I mean that, that'd like, be awesome. I, I love like those um those builds of like pure attack speed boost to claymores. Like you know how Chung Yun's field gives a attack boost and then like mm -hmm. you know, this gives attack. Those boost are fun. Back. It's really fun. So and Eula dances, so that's even better. <laughs> um. So yeah, so we have that. Um, so Kaya Hangout is coming soon. I am so excited for this. You have to play Care Bear, the, the Care Bear quest first. Um, and then um, you can kind of figure out what Kaya is doing. I'm really curious if they're going to like at all reference this event, this current event that's happening right now. Um, because, you know, technically he's there right now in the bottle land. So um, yeah, Kaya Hangout's going to come out um, uh, when these new banners come out as well this uh, coming week. So that'll be really interesting. We can look forward to that. And um, yeah, then we still have three weeks left on Bottle Land event. We'll talk about it next week. Um, so if you haven't already finished the story, if you haven't finished like the side quests and things, try to finish those as soon as possible because we will be talking about it next week. And that's it this week for Genshin News. Um, we're going to head into the bulk of our discussion today, which is the lore learn along with Eula. So we're going to talk about... Uh, for those of you, oh yes, for those of you that have not listened to a lore learn along episode before, uh, essentially what it is is we go onto the Genshin fandom wiki and we read for you. We read to you 
uh, audiobook style of what is on the wiki about this character. And then we talk about it a little bit, our thoughts on it, like what we really like about this character's story. But we're bringing you this information so you don't have to go look it up. You can listen to it in your car and it'll be great. Okay, so let's get started with Eula's Lore Learn Along. Vengeance will be mine. Okay, so let's start with character details. Okay, so we're going to talk about Eula's character details under character stories. Let's get started. So, Eula's role within the Knights of Favonius is captain of the Reconnaissance Company. The nature of her work means that she rarely sets foot in the city. She spends most of her time out in the wild, leading her team of scouts as they hunt down Abyss Order operatives and other monsters. Known as the Spindrift Knight, Eula wields her blade with consummate skill, but perhaps more importantly, she is well-versed in strategy and possesses great courage and excellent intuition. Grandmaster Varka had nothing but the highest praise for her, even declaring once that she was the Dandelion Knight's equal on the battlefield. Ooh. On the face of it, to have two such outstanding knights attending to the defense of Mondstadt in a single generation should be a cause for nothing but celebration. But dig a little deeper and there is a fundamental difference between Jean and Eula. For Eula is a descendant of the once aristocratic Lawrence clan. The blood that flows through her veins once flowed through those of Mondstadt's oppressors during one of the darkest periods of the city's history. Consequently, Eula has been viewed with contempt by the citizens of Mondstadt since birth. The Lawrence name stands for a legacy of depravity and despotism that stains Mondstadt's past and scars the minds of its citizens even to this day. So, whenever Eula appears, old wounds resurface. People despise the aristocracy, and this does no favors for her reputation. However, Eula is strong-willed and in spite of everything, she joined the Knights of Favonius and rose to the rank of captain. When people in the city voiced their reservations, she would respond head-on, claiming that her chosen course of action was out of a desire for vengeance. This matter-of-fact confession would alarm them all the more and has convinced everyone that she joined the Knights of Favonius only to serve as a mole for the former aristocracy. One person who sees things differently is acting Grandmaster Jean. In fact, she speaks rather fondly of Eula. The rumors are all groundless. The Spindrift Knight is simply misunderstood. That's all. Okay, so... Yeah, a lot of uh, great information there. Like, Eula has this past that is kind of... You know, um, it's stuck with her. Like, people remember it. As soon as they hear her name and they see her, they, they think about her, her family's past and... Even though she's not the one that does it and she kind of renounces it, um, you know, she is strong-willed and she has like really tough outer armor, but she's a nice person and is just misunderstood, according to Jean. So, I mean, I want to bring up something about this word. It's going to pop up a lot. So for those of you who are unaware or don't know, aristocracy. So aristocracy is kind of like no nobility, like the people of like highest, the highest class or wealth or it's like the people that have like the most money and, and influence are the ones that are able to like kind of run the city in a way like they will decide like certain things will happen certain things will look this way or certain things will be built this way it's kind of like a step under like the actual governing or government so a lot of people who say they despise the aristocracy they they kind of despise a lot of the really like high class pompous you know 
rich people. Like, it, it, essentially, just think of it like the rich people. So in, in Mondstadt, um, the Lawrence clan was a part of all, a lot of the other families who m made up that aristocracy. So all right. the noble people, of all the noble people, the Lawrence group was the least liked. So anytime you hear aristocracy, just think of it like fancy, fancy people, rich people. Yeah, and just so for reference, uh, House Lawrence was one of the prominent clans in Mondstadt after Barbados took over alongside the Gunhilder clan, which is Jean's clan, and the Iman Lauker clan, along with the Ragvinder clan, which is Deluxe clan. So these are so all, not the, all of uh, the clans the big, are bad. Yeah, these are just mm -hmm. the big names, but the House Lawrence was, happened to be in control. Um, they were the ones mainly in charge of City of Mondstadt when they grew corrupt. So. They oppressed everybody, basically, you know. Yeah, I think one thing that this really emphasizes is that Eula is strong. Eula is on the same level as a Dandelion Knight. It's just the only thing that's really making her different from Jean is like, is her clan, is yeah, her lineage, her family, so, which is unfortunate. Which is not her history. She didn't do it, mm -hmm. but her family, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to character story two, Kahi. In truth, Eula is nothing like the fearsome predator many imagine her to be. On the contrary, constantly being met with prejudice at every turn means she is often the victim. At one time, shops would refuse to sell her their goods, restaurants would put in no care and attention into her orders, and the citizens on her patrol route would refuse to cooperate with her. So Eula's work is fraught with difficulties. When conflict arises, Eula fights back with a sternly worded threat to indicate that she will remember this grievance and make the offending party pay for it one day. It seems to work like a magic spell, because as soon as these words are uttered, the conflict ceases immediately without ever having to escalate to the level of an all-out confrontation. Funnily enough, although people always have their guard up around Eula, she is a law-abiding citizen and has never harmed another monster in her life. She may come across as having a somewhat frosty demeanor, but she is entirely scrupulous in her speech and conduct. No one can ever find fault with her actions, and as people gradually get to know her, their morbid fear of her will dissipate. They will also start to realize her threats of vengeance are nothing more than a figure of speech that simply serve as a verbal warning in the moment. Eula, who may or may not be working to bring down the Knights of Favonius from the inside, Eula, who may or may not be an aristocrat mole, new recruits in the Knights of Favonius find her the most difficult person to deal with. When Jean sends a new recruit to track down Eula in the wilds and deliver a new set of verbal orders, they always receive the same response. If you have to resort to tasking the descendant of your former oppressors with doing your work, then perhaps you are not as strong as I thought. But despite the antagonism in her words, she will complete her newly assigned task to perfection. The new recruit is invariably forced to admit that with her abilities, it is no wonder she was able to achieve a captaincy within just a few years of joining the Knights. Everyone knows Eula is the frosty and antagonistic Spindrift Knight, the aristocrat who has a score to settle with the Knights of Favonius, the openly hostile and potentially dangerous individual, but is this really the truth of who she is? On the way back, the new recruit thinks back over Eula's every action. 
What was that kind of resilient look I saw in her eyes when she wasn't looking at me? She seemed to take her job seriously, so surely she can be relied on after all. That's right. <laughs> she can. So what I like what I like about this is that it kind of gives some background to her famous line of I will have vengeance. Mm -hmm. Her most her most like well-known voice line or just phrase, catchphrase. But what is it? It it seems to work like a magic spell because as soon as those words are uttered, the conflict ceases immediately because it sounds like she is literally going to attack them back or gain some kind of you know retribution for whatever is going on well so it, people it's, think it's it funny it's funny because like she's saying like um like basically she's seceding or she's conceding to what's happening so she's like okay this is gonna happen but i'll have vengeance on you eventually you know <laughs> like like it, it doesn't it's not like saying you can do this but i'm gonna get you back for this yeah it's not <laughs> saying like you want to fight right now it's saying like we'll fight later you know like like uh like uh, uh, uh next time you know like yeah, like she uses it almost too passively like too exactly much when people think that she's mean but she's just using that to say like it will be resolved later on if you keep this up but that just the way she delivers it sounds like a threat so but people the, think even she's then, scary she's never <laughs> she's never heard another monster in her nope. life so like mm -mm. Nope. Uh, it's great i love that i will vengeance will be mine <laughs> so good all right so uh next up character story three uh would you like to take this one uh sure sure so <clears throat> monstad is a city of freedom and happiness where even the descendants of a disgraced former ruling class can find true friends fortunately there is one person whom eula can rely on to be her spokesperson to the monstad masses and that person is outrider amber Everybody loves Amber, so when she's around, shopkeepers will sell their wares to Eula at the normal price. If they're in especially good mood, they may even exchange a few words with her during the process. It is at moments like this that Eula shows her most agreeable side. Because of this, and because Amber is just so nice, she'll often accompany Eula on trips out, or even run all her errands for her and deliver the goods straight to her home. <laughs> Amber Uber service. Uh, Amber is also the reason that city folk end up hearing all about the reconnaissance captain's accomplishments out in the field. Each time Amber informs them of Eula's long list of achievements in battle, they can't help but let out a little gasp of surprise. Early one weekend morning, Amber stood atop a makeshift stage of wooden crates and began announcing Eula's latest highlights. Recently, the Knights of Favonius reconnaissance captain saved the life of a woman at Dornan Point. Oh, Dornman Port. Okay. Dornman. Dornman Port. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, recently, the Knights of Favonius Reconnaissance Captain saved the life of a woman at Dornman Port. After further investigation with this woman's close cooperation, she then proceeded to successfully capture all the Abyss Order operatives hiding in the vicinity of the port. The woman in question was a renowned legal expert from Liyue, and the Knights of Favonius have since re received official correspondence from the Liyue, Commission's of uh, the Liyue Communications Office thanking the Reconnaissance Captain for her deeds. Whether because Amber's persistent efforts have overcome historical prejudices, or because Eula's achievements as a knight have quelled the long-standing fear in people's hearts, Eula's life has changed noticeably in recent years. Most of the city folk are no longer openly hostile towards her, and she has won over the members of the Knights of Favonius with her consistent results in the field. As for the members of the reconnaissance company under her, under her leadership, they support her unconditionally. 
they always have her back when they head out on Mondstadt's outskirts to defend the peace of their nation. Of course, the person who has always tirelessly rooted for Eula, who is now, and who is now the most delighted to see people's attitudes toward her change, is Amber. They had been friends for a long time before Eula ever joined the Knights of Favonius, and as the beloved mentee of Amber's grandfather, the first Outrider, Eula has her complete trust. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so... So, one thing I want to mention is Dornman Port is a port in Mondstadt. Like, a probably like a port town. Like, or, or like a port, like just an area where there are ships. But we don't know where that is yet. Okay, so this it's is... It's not in the game, not It's visible. not in the game yet. So this is one of the proofs that Mondstadt is actually bigger than the area that we've already unlocked so far. Right? And the... I know that there's speculation that it's above because like where else is it going to be? Because we know we know it's up below Mondstadt. So it's the speculation that is that it's above Mondstadt to the right along the coast. Um, so that's one of the one of the mentions of Dormon Port. There's not that many, but NPC characters and you know character stories like this are the only places you can find any information on it. Now, Amber's grandfather, the first Outrider, right? This guy who's like originally from Liyue. Um, Eula was apparently his mentee, so he mentored her uh, in some degree. So that's pretty cool. Um, nobody knows where he is right now, uh, and I know there's like some speculation I've had with some um, like uh, conversations I've had with other content creators about like and lore lore theorists like where is he? Like you know, people think he might be playable one day. We don't we don't know what he's doing right now. Like there's no word that he's like passed away or anything like that. So. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Did, did, you, did something stick out to you from this one specifically, Kahi? I mean, as far as this story, a lot of it had to do with Amber. Mm -hmm. um, just how Amber really ties into She's her, hype, her hype woman her relationship. I mean, yeah, literally, she's she's on soapboxes or wooden crates yep, and yep. announcing Eula's latest highlights. You know, I mean. Amber is such a special character. She's like promoting. She's a promoter of everyone. Mm -hmm. She like, she has like no enemies. Everyone in Mondstadt loves her. I don't think, yeah, I don't think anyone or anything that I've ever heard of has like a grudge. Dude, they don't have social like media Amber in Mondstadt, so it's like no, it's like she's she's the Facebook status. <laughs> she, she she's, she's just Twitter. She she jumps <laughs> she up on top of a box. <laughs> And she's like, and she, she just says like, recently the Knights of Favonius Reconnaissance Captain saved the life of a woman at Dormant Port. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Like, like how else is everyone going to know, you know? You know, when you were talking about uh, when you read the part where Amber usually brings food to Eula? Yeah, yeah, the Uber. <laughs> Amber eats. Amber eats. <laughs> Amber eats. But, but Eula's the one <laughs> eating great. it. Like, Eula eats. That works, too. Eula anyway. eats, but Amber's the delivery. Uh -huh. Okay, anyway, that's great. Um, okay, so okay. Uh, how about character story for Kahi? One might not expect this from her frosty attitude and sharp tongue, but Eula is a talented chef. Oh, what do you know? The reconnaissance company today prides itself on having the best field rations in the Knights of Favonius. One staple of their inventory is a moon-shaped pie, though a field of ration. This... Wonderfully delicious and highly portable food is loved by all who try it. The reconnaissance company's designated chef once admitted that when developing this item, she was inspired by the captain's own baked goods. 
she sorry <coughs> sorry <laughs> sorry what <laughs> there's a reference it's a reference sorry I'll, I'll tell you afterwards okay uh she extended the baking time to make the crust tougher and also substituted a few highly perishable ingredients with ones that last longer reducing the cost while significantly prolonging the shelf life even after such a major change to the recipe the pie still tasted delicious so Whenever the scouts are snacking, they can't help but wonder, if this is the field ration version, how delicious must the captain's original recipe taste? The answer to this question is buried deep within the pages of a dusty old book in the library. The Lawrence clan may have been overthrown a long time ago, but they have never given up hope of one day rising again and reclaiming their place as the ruling class, so that they are always prepared for this monumental monu monumental moment their offspring are subjected to an educational regime so unbelievably harsh that it is considered borderline abusive. Noble obligations must be performed to absolute perfection in every possible sense, and these obligations cover etiquette, ritual, and study as well as cooking and other domestic chores. In the eyes of the Lawrence clan, post-liberation Mondstadt lacks etiquette and taste. When the day comes for our clan to seize power once more, there shall be none who are qualified to be our servants. We must be cautious. We must never stop or we must never stoop to the level of the commoners and set foot in the quagmire of vulgarity. The Lawrence clan's culinary arts teacher was particularly strict. If your dough was missing a half spoonful of flour, or if your condiment was a few grains of salt short, or if you were two seconds late removing something from the oven, you were likely to be both scolded and disciplined. As far as Eula is concerned, the Haute Cuisine, the Haute Cuisine uh, revered by the aristocrats is just another worthless consequence of people dogmatically following outdated rules. For this reason, the only kind of person who Eula will permit to try her own home-baked cooking is someone who she respects? No, that would be taking it too far. Rather, it should be someone who she grudgingly accepts will keep following me around and bother keep bothering me, seemingly undeterred by my warnings, despite having crossed me many times to date. Um, so, <laughs> a lot of cooking, a lot of cooking and analogies, <laughs> a lot of cooking history. I just thought what was <laughs> the call earlier it was kind of funny. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you know how Eula is known as having the, um, the biggest posterior? <laughs> oh, I see. I just thought, oh, uh, that's funny. Talking about buns, talking about baking, baked goods. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Kahi, this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> I know, it's funny. I know, but it's just funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it seems like mm -hmm. um, she would be a perfect uh, guest character in uh, in uh, Food Wars, the anime. So, oh, that'd be great. Oh my god, can you imagine? Um, but yeah, so this uh, so it's funny because she just cooks really well, and I don't. It's it's funny to see to hear that like their their rations are modeled after her her cooking, but like many people don't have her cooking actually. So hmm, interesting. Well, it's like uh, I would have never guessed. Wait, does she have a? Does she have like a cooking thing? No, her her thing is like uh. I'm sure character she has materials. a specialty. No, she, I mean she has a specialty, mm -hmm. but like her pat her talent passive, I think, is like uh extra materials, like weapon materials or something. Like mm -hmm. there's a chance of getting or books like double, double uh like you know like when you craft talent books, 
Oh, the talent you get a, bonus. You get, yeah. a, you get a chance of getting double the product. I think that's Eula's. So like, not cooking related. Interestingly enough, I don't think I've ever seen her cook. Yeah. Did I'm we curious. ever see her cook in like Dragon Spine? I don't know. No, I don't think so. But you mm -hmm. know, it just reminds me I we haven't so. had like a have we had like a cooking. We had a cooking event, right? We had like the there was like a the wine the wine something. festival. Is that a cooking event though? I think that's like. Well, I mean, you have to make drinks. That's the closest. Yeah, yeah, but, but there's I mean, never like, like there's a no cooking... food cooking event. I mean, there's been know? cooking food cooking mini games, but like, uh, I feel like you know, I would the love to see a was... like yeah. Shangling story, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to see, I want to see like a full fledged cooking contest event, like big event. You know what I mean? Like that'd be great. Huh. Interesting. That would work because we haven't really had cooking focus at all. Like, I mean, you're encouraged to cook, but I'll be honest, I haven't really needed to use cooking items recently because I have good healers already. I have good like buffs from other characters. I feel like I, it's never been like so difficult where I needed to have an attack boost, f you know, food, or I needed to have like a. Oh, actually, the only foods I use consistently are the stamina boosting ones. You, for exploration you know when i when i started using food recently is like when i get bored and i'm on stream and like i uh want to do a domain but i don't want to just keep doing it by myself so i will join random people and i will food buff myself because just in case in case they don't do a lot of damage or whatever so i've used it for that i've also done it when i know i have to farm something um over and over again so i will just do like an attack boost or whatever just make it a little faster you know so I've used it for that. I remember doing that when I went into like a little lower level matchmaking and then it just brought Raiden Shogun and they just used her E and let everyone else have the slash. Oh my god. <laughs> and, they're, and they're just rampaging through everything. That's great. <laughs> like give them some power. Um, okay. Yeah, so interesting. Alright, and next up we have story five. Uh, off to you. Okay. Besides traditional etiquette, art is the second most highly prized asset to the aristocrats, known as the second soul. The Dance of Sacrifice, a ritual used by illustrious families to display their nobility, is thought of as the crystallized form of this soul, the prized gem in the ruler's scepter. Folklore holds that Mondstadt's most illustrious clans jointly created the Dance of Sacrifice long before the aristocracy's reign of bloodshed began. The third act, which represents the Lawrence clan, is a solo dance known as Flickering Candlelight, the most important part of the Dance of Sacrifice. It was performed by the most senior dancer, who was typically the eldest daughter of the clan. The Lawrence clan would summon top dancers to serve as tutors for the eldest daughter and ensure it was performed to perfection. Bleeding toes were seen as a point of pride and a rite of passage for every dancer. This ancient ceremony was a continuous tradition for so long that even today, long after being expelled by the people of Mondstadt, the Lawrence clan still honors it. However, without the grand banquet and the gorgeous stage that once, fe that once featured prominently in ceremonial performances, the Dance of Sacrifice is now far from the grandiose affair it once was. Furthermore, the stringent requirements regarding the dancer's posture and movements have also been relaxed due to the lack of tutors. In the end, the Lawrence clan reluctantly decided that it could no longer be a mandatory part of the curriculum, and they relegated it to an artistic pastime. Over time, the negative connotations and elitist expectations, bleh, 
Over time, the negative connotations and elitist expectations associated with this dance have faded away, and today it survives simply as a graceful dance. As the eldest daughter of the present-day Lawrence clan, Eula found it to be a relaxing pastime in her youth and a welcome respite from her other grueling courses of study. Today, Eula appears to have put her artistic pursuits behind her. At least, no one pictures dancing when they think of the Spindrift Knight. Nevertheless, a distinctly dance-like aesthetic can be observed in Eula's blade work, along with an elegant rhythm and musicality that are often difficult to capture in words. As her greatsword rises and falls and sways to and fro, her distinctive and graceful poise is like that of a dancer under the moonlight, far away, immaculate, and sublime. Cool. So, like, the dance thing was actually really important to her clan, and, like, I don't know, it captivated her. This, this reminds me, so there was, like, this really good fan art video, fan work video, um, from someone in China on Bilibili on the website that's kind of like Ch uh, Chinese YouTube and there was like I don't know maybe it'll show up in the next Hoyoverse uh, the Hoyoverse fan fest but oh the 2D animation yeah yeah it looks, oh, no, it, no, looks, it was animated too it, it was animated but it was like it looked very much like a Genshin cutscene like one of the ones that mm -hmm. the trailer previews before a character comes out like it's like anime but it's like 2D but it moves and then sometimes it sort of has 3D aspects to it. But anyway, it was like about Eula's past and about her um, kind of going through being raised as a noble and then finding the dance, falling in love with it, and then basically betraying her clan by walking out by saying like, you know, they're like basically choosing her own life and going to and it ends with her going to the Knights of Favonius. And uh, you saw that, right, Kahi? Yeah, I watched it. It was actually really good. Yeah, it was so good. It was like very like official level uh, of like work like that was put into that. So, okay. So I found the video. It is called um, Story Teaser Dance of the Revolt. And it is by someone who is on YouTube also. Um, it's a bunch of Chinese characters before their name. And then Toma, T-O-M-A. So I have pinned this to the Share Genshin Media channel on the Discord if you want to go check it out. Um, but it is very cool. So after listening to this episode, go check out that video. It is a very good compilation of like what Eula's uh, upbringing kind of looks like. And uh, it's a very, very well done video. So yeah, definitely check that out. But in regards to like reading this, yeah, the, the fact that the dance is important, that it's so it impacted her so much that she incorporated it into her blade work is like such a cool thing and it, it makes her one of the coolest uh make her it makes her have one of the coolest attack animations like it's very fluid very smooth and very dance like if you if you look at her like normal attack animations so um even her skill and stuff too like her skill like she kind of like dances when she does her skill i love it oh man you look so good man <laughs> she is like very uh very well choreographed her combat style combat <laughs> combat choreography mm -hmm. is actually great um their basic attacks are, are wonderful because they hit hard they have like consecutive hits so it has like really fast paced hits as well but it's it's drawn out it's very very long string of attacks and it's all it's all physical so you don't have to really wait to buff it and then do something you can just go right into it and keep attacking mm-hmm 
really cool. Nice. Yeah, so um, what about this next section? After you get to Friendship Level 4, it's called Glaciers and Waves. What is that about, Kahi? Eula is the bearer of the Lawrence family crest, the Glacial Seal. It is the highest martial symbol of the clan and represents the spirit of the Lawrence clan in the early days of Mondstadt before their fall from grace. Cold and unsullied, undaunted by any flame, composed and unshaken in all circumstances. Few among their number have passed the clan's trials in a thousand years, and the hopes of the clan are passed from one seal bearer to the next. Eula was still quite young when she underwent the trial, but she passed with ease, taking up the seal in the process. Then she departed with that badge of honor in her possession, and has barely contacted the clan since. Her icy sword is a manifestation of the strength represented by the seal, striking with the cold, brutal force of a relentless blizzard and driving her foes into retreat. Yet sharp and bright as ice as she is, she is the she has the title of Spindrift Knight, a name that leads many who hear it to assume that she manipulates Hydro instead of Cryo. There is a story behind that misunderstanding, the story of a habit. Eula carries an exquisitively crafted bone whistle in with her at all times. Each time she blows it, a, the vivid sound of ocean waves ring out and allowing the vivid sound of ocean waves rings out loud and clear, far and wide. Since the area her company is in charge of borders the sea, reproducing the sound of waves can be an ex excellent means of disturbing the enemy's judgment, or deceiving less intelligent monsters into believing that a tsunami is inbound, causing them to flee in panic. Using this tech. Uh, using this unique combat tactic has helped Eula emerge victorious against larger forces than her own on numerous occasions, and has also earned her the moniker of Spindrift Knight. Of course, a bone whistle is capable of imitating many other sounds, and Eula has her reasons for imitating the ocean waves. It would seem that something akin to the Glacier Knight should suit her better, but perhaps Eula herself prefers the rolling waves to the cold and unyielding ice, roaming freely across the world, gentle but firm with the reefs and sands in their dominion. Yet she yearns not to be sharp and rigid like ice, but to be free and unbound like the ocean spray. This was a perfect character to kind of lead us into Fontaine. <laughs> it really was. Like, she should Mondstadt be Hydro. Ties, <laughs> she should be Hydro. Her, uh, her group, her, I guess her battalion it is in charge of an area bordering the sea or near a port town, which, I don't know, could be the lane or the direction that Fontaine is in. Who knows? But this is actually pretty, pretty interesting because I didn't know... I didn't know this bit about her, and she does have ties to the ocean and the whistle. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember hearing anything about a whistle, but... Yeah, it's interesting. Wait, does her... Her idol animation doesn't have the whistle, right? Uh... I don't think so. No, no, I don't see... I don't see, like, anything... Like, I even Google, like, Yula Genshin whistle, and there's some, like, art of her, like, with whistles with the bone whistle but like i don't see any official like in-game thingamabob oh she has a wait is this real no i think this is a fan art thing yeah this is a fan art thing never mind it looks like one of the genshin stickers that would be like in game but 
Yeah, interesting. Well, the whistle is a new thing for me. Um, but yeah. as far as like the spindrift knight versus the glacier knight, I mean, I can see how both would work, but she prefers spindrift. Mm, I mean, it didn't say she, she came ocean. up with the name. It's, it's just bestowed upon it, her. It earned her the moniker of spindrift knight. So some people just started calling her that because of that, that unique combat tactic. So, yeah. So interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Like, it's a name someone else give them because of how they are. But. Yeah, and it just says that basically. So. So we're going to read her vision story next and see a little bit about it. But when we think about her character, right, like the ice, like, what does that mean? Um, like. Okay, wait, let's re let's revisit this once once I talk about her vision, okay? Because I, I was going to say, like, okay, so what about, like, why does she have Cryo then instead of Hydro? Like, why, right? So we can maybe find out a little bit more of that from her vision story. Okay, so her vision at Friendship Level 6, you get her vision story. <clears throat> Where do grievances come from? Dire straits in the present or the misfortunes of the past? And what does vengeance mean? To right wrongs and rebalance the scales of justice in one's favor? Or to drive one's foes into a pit of agony? Restore the clan's former glory, win the respect of the common folk, stand once more at the apex of rulership. These things were utterly unimportant to Eula. She never experienced the great humiliation of her clan and all the torments she had endured in life had been at their own hands. She had attempted to free herself from their shackles, yet struggled to obtain recognition from the outside world. Her talk of grievances and vengeance was but a habit, a signal, a shield. For someone in her unique circumstances and position, what remarks should she just laugh off, and what ideas should she hold on to? How should she fight this battle to break free, once and for all, from the great burden of her bloodline. It was with all these questions and more circling around in her mind that Eula came under the tutelage of a long-forgotten old outrider. From him, she learned an open-mindedness and down-to-earth persistence that she had never previously encountered. Before grappling with grievances and vengeance, before questions of clan and outsider, she first had to discover herself her survival mechanism, her means of self-preservation, her grit and determination. She may articulate it in terms of grievances and vengeance, but nothing can change what it is at its core, something both strong and kind. Eula finally found herself on a gentle path of revenge that was hers alone, and the moment she set foot on that path, there it appeared before her, her vision. So, she's trying to discover herself. Um, she found herself on the gentle path of revenge. Gentle path of revenge. Okay, very interesting choice of words. Gentle path of revenge. That was hers alone. And the moment she stepped foot on that path, her vision appeared. A cryo vision. So, knowing... So, it sounds like she got her cryo vision... So, okay, what do you think? Because she got her cryovision 
before she did anything that made her spin drift night, right? Like she got her car vision. It sounds like as soon as she stepped out of the Lawrence clan and decided to go on her own journey. But then she decided to be like part of the Knights of Favonius and do all this stuff. And so she wants to be like the ocean, but she has a cryovision. So I wonder why she has a cryovision in the first place. And what does that have to do with revenge? Is it because um, well, her family was cold to her? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, not, what is it? I don't think it's the revenge part. So the thing about fr cryo frost and from what we know about the current holder of, you know, the current archon Sarita. of Frost, the Sarita. So, Frost may indicate some sort of death, like figurative death, like oh, symbolic death. Like she, the moment she cast aside her old self and started on her own life and her own path, that is when she got it. So she discarded her Lawrence clan lineage and began a new life instantly, new vision. That's the thing. So, especially like when you're talking about. When you're talking about a theme of cryo or frost, it doesn't mean like frozen in time. It doesn't always mean like slowed. It also means like heat death, like completely like it's it's a little bit different as far as what the element itself represents. Like wind, you have a lot of people who have their freedoms, a lot of people who like to run like run around with, you know, not a care without a care in the world or someone who is able to just personify the, the sense of freedom. And then you have um what is it electro which is like very energetic but also sometimes violent and wild but very much like wind but just with you know more i guess more like in a more chaotic way mm. so cryo might bestow themselves might bestow cryo visions upon people who have had a sudden dramatic change or have a new life starting or maybe so, have so experienced death in some way connected to that um, I'm just like browsing through like quick Google search stuff. Like some people seem to think that cryo archon is supposed to be the archon of love. And I think cryo characters gain their vision after a sense of longing or loss. So like Kaya lost, see, that his, makes sense. Kaya lost his mm -hmm. friendship with Diluc. Chi Chi lost her life. Diona thought she lost her father. Chung Yun keeps losing other people's respect. Interesting. I don't know. Like it's so these are just Shen some, he? you know, yeah. Some of lost these, her parents. Yeah, so some of these seem to make sense, like in that sense, like loss or, you know, when I think about cryo characters, you know, what do they have in common? What's the theme? Like, right? Because like you're saying, that is a good point. Like the reason they get, it's it's sort of sort of similar to Honkai's Star Rail in like this, if the character has this sort of ideal that drives them. Oh, their path. Yeah, literally yeah. a path. Yeah, but, but interestingly enough, in Honkai Star Rail, you can switch anytime on paths like paths are not permanent um but in genshin we have not heard of people switching visions as far as i know um obviously we heard kazuha who has been able to use a second vision um in in like a moment of, of uh, in a pinch moment basically but um not there was no like you know there's no record of like someone just having two visions and like using them or switching visions like one deactivates one reactivates uh, or one activates, or a new one appears. Like, we haven't heard anything like that in the story. So, um, but doesn't mean it's not possible. So, and then what that means for gameplay is, like, you know, maybe it means there's another character. Like, like maybe we'll get a, a Hydro version of Yula in the future. You know what I mean? Like, that's possible. 
But whether they decide to do that that way, whether they decide like maybe in the rules like once you have a vision, that's the, that's your path, like period. You, you don't switch visions even if you change your mentality. Um, so and how that ties to Celestia, like really interesting thing to think about, I think. I don't know. She feels like a more complex character now, uh, especially after what happens. I don't want I don't want to mention the bottle land event story quite yet, but it is semi important to like thinking about where Eula is as a character right now from what we know. So we will definitely yeah. touch on that next week. When she's more involved in story, you know how she acts with other situations. Mm -hmm. so you get more you get you get more flushed out personality because you know how, you know her reactions. You know how she's going to behave in situations. You know you get more information about her that way. It doesn't have to be like specifically her development, but how she's helping other people develop and how she's kind of being brought along for the ride, or even sometimes driving it forward. So, I mean, these even though these little mini events that are time limited, unfortunately, are time limited. I mean, it still flushes out characters that are still visible, are still in the background, in the main story. They still exist. And it's it's still a good reminder because maybe their story reminder reminds us of their wider story reminder, which is why we're doing this lore learn along because there's stuff in her past that may come up in Fontaine. Who knows? But it's, sure. it's still good to refresh people's memories about the lore of Teyvat. So it's always really fun. A lot of people like the lore this Laura learn along segment. Yeah, so. I mean, it helps us learn too. Like we're learning together kind of. So um, pretty nice. Um, so Kai, what was your favorite part of just like the reading today? Like what, 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 what stood out to you that you'll continue to take forward, especially as someone who's playing Eula? It was a good reminder about her mentor, which is Amber's grandfather, which is interesting. So because that's a character that's, kind of in the background lurking in the depths of the world <laughs> we don't know what's going on maybe he's important maybe he's not is he another kind of alice like character he's probably not a witch but like is it one of those probably. kind of characters that has like a hand in setting people on their path interesting yeah. th about that but you also cool little thing i mean the whistle is not a big detail but it is interesting because it's something that she carries with her and does play and helps her with um dealing with all the threats that she's in charge of you know keeping at bay and quite literally at bay because now we know her her troop is in charge of an area that's based near the ocean so and i mean as far as like world building that's a pretty important detail too because you now know where she's stationed and what her charge is um do you have a favorite part anything that you definitely want to remember going forward um, I think, uh, it's really interesting that, like, they have this, like, glacial seal thing that it, when it says, like, few people have passed the clan's trial in a thousand years and the hopes of the clan are passed from one seal bearer to the next. And she was, Eula was young when she did the trial, passed it with ease, took the seal and then left and then barely contacted Just the clan since. But what is, what's, what's interesting is, like, if she holds the hopes of the clan with this seal and they listen to her because she's one of the few people that have passed the clan's trials to get this seal and she comes to the clan and says, hey guys, we need to change. They might be willing to listen to her. <laughs> like she might actually 
uphold the hopes of the clan but in the positive way you know like up until now it's like the 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 lawrences kind of just like are looking for are looking for ways to become aristocrats again like they want to be um i don't know they, they're they're looking for a way to restore their power basically and so you know in the hopes of the clan could be referring to like when they were doing this is like to keep the clan um at its best right like what's best for the clan and like moving the clan forward and for right now the clan is not moving forward the clan is stuck in the past and they are spiteful people don't like them um they they think they deserve more and they're, they're they think the people of monstat were the ones oppressing or them in a way not the other way around um but eula sees past that and she's kind of willing to move the whole thing forward and um like uh yeah so i think that's interesting that she she basically has the approval of the clan in a way but then she kind of turned around and uh and left but it's still important because she carries it around like she does care right like um man maybe we should have done this with the bottle land because like i want to talk about the bottle land story but we'll talk about it next next um next week so um but there are you know i think there's implications to her because she does care about the clan even though she left she does care about her people and um i want to mention that i looked uh that on the, in the lawrence clan wiki page it says that the clan relocated to another area in mondstadt but this current location remains unknown they would often get into conflict with the locals which results in the knights of favonius arriving to mediate but to very little effect and um yeah so th there's just like there's more let, let me see here um Descendants of the Lawrence clan in the present day often face stigmas and are deemed a social threat. Prior to joining the Knights of Favonius, Eula was forced to hunt and cook for herself as almost every shop refused her money. Near the current time, Eula applied to the Knights, causing an uproar in both the common folk and the Lawrence clan. Members of the clan confronted Eula over her decision to join the outside to join outside the Knights headquarters. Grandmaster Varka and acting Grandmaster Jean allowed her to join as she was talented in combat and both saw it as a waste to refuse someone skilled like her. The clan proceeded to denounce Eula as a traitor. So, um, yeah, and and then so like then her story quest happens, and then uh, and then the new event happens. So, um, yeah, like this, like the fact that she's still kind of she's kind of trying to protect people from her clan, but she's also representing her clan, and I think she kind of represents the future of what the Lawrence clan could be in a way. Um, and maybe we'll see the Lawrence clan, uh, maybe in her second story quest, or maybe we go to a new place and, um, we'll see them become okay again. <laughs> like, cause right now it seems like they're not okay. Still people still look down on them, but Eula is an exception. So I think that that's interesting that she has that seal with her and she uses it and she like brings it around as like a, a member of the Lawrence clan. So yeah. So that was my, uh, that was the part that stood out to me. For you guys listening, if there is something that stood out to you or you're, you have a favorite part of her lore, uh, feel free to comment below in, uh, below, like comment on this video or on this podcast or message us in the Discord, um, in the, you know, general Genshin chat and, uh, let us know what you think of, uh, Eula's backstory. All right. So. Since we kind of left off on, you know, Eula's vision and her cryo vision powers coming to light and how she inherited it. And we started to discuss a little bit about how cryo users 
typically get their visions and what kind of things happen to them. So the whole thing about loss and love and loss and possibly even death. So I had this, I saw this question earlier. Um, I think it was either a day or two ago. And I want to see if I can pull it up. But then uh, in generally, a lot of people were actually specifically this one person was listing some characters that, you know, died in Genshin. It says, oh, these these characters need to come back. And then a pretty like prominent response to that was, honestly, the characters you listed or the characters that were dead should stay dead. And it got me thinking, like, I can see it from both sides. Like, it would be cool because I like those characters. But then does the death mean anything now anymore? Was it important? Does it make it less important? Is if it's is it going to be too self-indulgent to just want to bring all of the characters that I like back? And like, what what is the what's the most important in this regard? So the question basically is, if a character dies in Genshin, should they stay dead? It's a very nuanced question because there's a lot of things that could point to yes, they should come back because of how important they are to the ongoing story or no, they need to stay dead because otherwise nothing is scary anymore. There's no sense of fear. There's We're not going to really feel anything for these characters because, oh, they'll just come back. So I'm on the side of like, if a character, the majority of the time, if Loyalverse decides they should kill a character off, they should stay dead. As much as I want Senora back, I feel like she probably should just stay how she is and maybe just reference her in the future but like what's what's your overall stance should they should we be able to bring some characters back or should they kind of just keep it how it is what do you think well i'm assuming this list of characters uh goes beyond uh who we've seen die in genshin which is like senora and um uh the guy from inazuma uh <laughs> but Dang it, what was his name? Tepe? Tepe, yes, Tepe. Um, so, because uh, I'm assuming they mentioned, like, uh, A and Yaimiko's companions from, like, a bajillion years ago, the Yaksha, like, all these characters have, like, really cool designs. Bichon. Right? So, like, how do I feel about that? Mm -mm. Well, yeah, it would be cool to, like, experience these characters, but I think that for the four... Mm, if I, if I think about this, knowing everything I know about Honkai Impact 3rd, about Honkai Star Vale, about Genshin, um, I think that they should and will stay dead during the course of this current journey with the Traveler. Um, I still really think it's very possible for them to release um, a separate game mode within this game of playing through the story 500 years ago. Because this is a right, thing that yeah. they do in, in, in Honkai Impact 3rd. Like, you know, here's the main story. You play it over here. But then there's a totally different section you go to. And this is a totally different story. But it's tied to the main story in a different way. And I could imagine that for the sake of the storytelling, these characters should probably stay dead. Um, I don't think I don't think that we should be like, we should get to Celestia and they're like, oh, they revived Senora. Now she's playable. Like, no, I think that they should come back in a different way. Um... Like so that we can experience more of their stories, um, but but not but in the context of the actual the traveler's story that we are playing through right now, um, I I do agree that if they if they came back to life, their meaning the meaning of their death would be somewhat insignificant, or it would become more insignificant. Right. 
Yeah. Right. So like what you were saying is, yeah, they can come back in another way, in right. another form, but not just straight up resurrection because now again their death doesn't mean anything and we're not going to get any sense of there's no sense of fear anymore yeah there's not like dying doesn't if matter you, if your character dying does not matter so i found the list so this the the list this person posed was la senora kazuha's electro friend the hydra and pyro yaksha obviously because they like the character designs <laughs> um guijong and amos the one that stood out to me was Guizhong. So, do you remember Guizhong? You know who she is? How can I forget Guizhong, dude? Come on. Okay. So, just was that again? Sure. A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Honestly, well, actually, this is a good thing. But for those of you listening who don't know Guizhong, Guizhong is a female character that was an adeptus, I think, an yes. adepti or adeptus. Adeptus from Liyue. That from Liyue, um, very close friend with Zhang Li. I think she was most popular for being very, very close to her. Oh, close to Zhang Li. Zhang she Li, invented yeah. some uh, instruments. And Cloud Retainer that... and Street Rambler. Right, Street Rambler being the, Ma- the old Madame lady Ping, that yes. gave you the teapot. Madam Ping, the old lady that gave you the teapot. Yeah. So Guizhong is a very, very cool character because she also appeared as, you know, she has a character design in one of those 2D art trailers. And she's very, very pretty. She's very, very cute. And of course, everyone likes the pretty and cute characters. And she has history and she has importance. And she's technically dead right now. So in that sense, yes, I can see that being playable or we can see more of her in the game would be good, but not as a straight up resurrection. And because to your idea too, if there's a version of the game where we go into the past and play, it's not like they're resurrected you're playing a part of the storyline that happened in a different in an earlier timeline that i'm okay with yeah because essentially I'm people people it. don't want mm-hmm. these characters to be revived they want to play as them and they want to they want it to make right. sense they why they can play them. as them so right i'm saying is there's many ways to play as these characters that they've introduced us that don't involve directly reviving them into the main story like there's other options and they've hoyaverse has very much experimented with these other options before so I, I personally think that uh, they're not going to get resurrected, and they probably shouldn't. And then we should just play as them in a different way. Right. Same. Yeah. Same so, thought. I mean, it's a very interesting discussion, for sure. You know? Of course we want to play as these characters. <laughs> they look so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there any character that you know of in the past that's either dead or alive that you'd want to just, like, play through their story or their their time? Yeah, I mean, I just want to play as all of them. Like, I, I, I'm really curious about, like, what their abilities are and, like, this and that. Like, obviously, um, the, just one thing. The Yakshas for me. I want to see those. Yeah, the, the Yakshas are probably my number one. Um, but, like, the, like, the, the thing that's really great about Hoyoverse's character designs is that they're just all really well done. And all the characters are interesting in some way or another, except Dory. And... <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, all the characters all the are really hate. interesting in one way or another. And, like, you know, they... Um, I don't think that they would miss chances to let us experience these characters more. Um, because th- this game is so- still in its infancy. Like, this game is still... It's going to be huge. They have, I'm sure they have many Three plans years, for years, years and years out from now. Because this game, um, the way they've set it up is for us to experience so many different things so and we still have no idea where it can go from here so i'm really excited for um 
the future of the game. But I think that them showing us a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, there's a possibility that they will show us more of these stories later in the future. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like, don't, don't, I'm on the like, don't revive them squad, but uh, I do want to play as them and experience their stories in another way. Yep, totally agree. Like, you can, you can indulge in their experience and play as the character and see them in the world without just straight up reviving them. Because it undoes what their death meant in this actual overarching story. So, yeah, we can do it other ways. But, yeah, death should have meaning. It should have importance. So, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, that's our thoughts. That's my thoughts. That's Josh's thoughts. That's how we feel. But what about you? Um, we do have, of course, I don't know if... I don't know if Josh mentioned this throughout the uh, throughout the podcast yet, but we do have a Discord. Um, did you <laughs> did you bring that up earlier? No, uh, that's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up. Okay, now. you got um, this. I'll bring it up now. So we have a Discord. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> yes, we I do. didn't know. Uh, we, we have, have wait. We have a dis. We have a Discord. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention it. So yeah, we have a Discord. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> yes, join it. Um, oh, and speaking of which, we have a lot of other discussion questions and a lot of discussion answers and responses from our Discord. Josh, would you like to introduce our discussion question from last week and maybe some some answers or your answer and our answer first? What was the question? <laughs> okay, well, that's really confusing. Okay, wait a second. I'm going in all directions. Uh-huh, right? All the directions. Um, so last week's question was, if you could go back in time to play one event again, what would it be? So, Kahi, who, what event would you go back and play? I want to go back to Fischl's Domain and just fight with her battle music, like, on repeat all the time. I love that song. You know the song I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God, the Midsummer Nocturne. Uh, it's, it's, some, it's some German name, I think. But that song, I downloaded it to my, uh, to my music playlist, and it was on repeat for, like, that whole month. It was so good. Um, even Marco Meatball like keeps like showing that song to some of his friends or mm-hmm. his music and opera friends. And I saw his reaction to it. He's like, it blew his mind just how close it was to um, another composer. But just the moment the guitar came in, you could see his eyes just start to glow and light up. Like, whoa, whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a confusion. I love I love his reactions. Marco Meatball, he's the... The guy that does musical reactions to yep. a lot of Genshin music. Genshin, he yeah. streams Genshin a lot too. He's getting into Final Fantasy lately. He's also a voice actor who has appeared in Genshin. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so actually same. Um, that event, the uh, the second Golden Apple Archipelago event. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I appreciated it at the time, but I feel like it's so it's an event that's so easy to go back and appreciate. Like there was so much work put into that event. Um. Not only do we get to see like these four characters, like basically full backstories, which is really cool, um, mm-hmm. but like each one of them had like a separate world that was just for them. You know what I mean? Like, and it was really cool to see um, I, the official perspective puzzles. While they could have been executed a little better, I really enjoyed those. Yeah, um, like I, better, yeah. I enjoyed the concept for sure. Um, I even enjoyed the plays, the, the with the crows. <laughs> Like with the, like um, uh, kind of fun. The puzzles yeah. that are like you have to like pay attention to what's happening. Some of them were kind of hard, but um, it was like it was definitely fun. And um, 
Mona's everything about Mona's was beautiful like the the stars and like using reflections on the water to solve puzzles and like all this cool stuff. Oh, the combat thing was good too cuz you have to activate a star like you have to pull them kite them to like those stars and then activate. Yeah, that that stuff was really those are, fun. Those are great. So, um aesthetically pleasing. I really like in that, all cases. I really like that event. Um I do want a special mention the 1.2 event, the one the the stars one, the reconciled stars with the where they first introduced Scaramouche. Um the one that everybody wants to play because Scaramouche was in it at the beginning. Um but that event had like a co-op thing where you like fight enemies under like this giant meteor. And it was like so simple, but I actually really enjoyed just like co-op fighting with people in like a not fighting super giant bosses. Like I don't know. I, it was like memorable for me. I was like, "Man, why don't they have more co-op events like this?" Or like, "Why isn't this just a permanent thing?" Like um, anyway, that it was like it was really fun for me to play that with friends, and um, yeah, that's just special mention. But I definitely the Golden Apple Archipelago two was like really cool, really cool event. Um, so so yeah. So what were the community's answers? Let's find out. I'll check the Discord here real quick. Okay, so. Um, Rye606 says, this year's Lantern Rite, just because I just started playing and I missed it, and it was the reason why I started playing. Oh, man. Yeah, this year's Lantern Rite was so good. It was, like, really good. Um, Salido says, out of the two events I played, I think the current event wins, so I'll go back in time two weeks. I mean, I, I, I meant, I intended for this question to be, uh like also meaning like play events you haven't played before so i don't know maybe maybe that oh wait a second i picked the wrong answer i i meant to say divine ingenuity <laughs> no but oh okay there you go <laughs> no but actually the thing is like i i wouldn't go back in time to play that event again because i want that to be an event in the future like i want that to be a permanent feature so like me going back in time would just mean that i'm playing the temporary event again so that that's how i feel like i i love it i would love to play it again over and over again and just make it permanent but yeah anyway <clears throat> the reason i say that is because aquatic zero says obviously dot 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 divine ingenuity and then also the first golden apple archipelago for the nostalgia yeah that one was a good one too um same place as the second golden apple archipelago but very different so very very interesting how different those two events were despite taking place in the same temporary space WL Forever Bana says the first Lantern Rite, the very first Lantern Rite. Lantern Rite is my favorite event, and since I only started playing in 2021 or so, I totally missed the first Lantern Rite. Yeah, exactly. See, like going back to play an event you never got to play definitely would be nice. Alpha Kite, the first Windbloom Festival or the first Golden Apple Archipelago. Hmm. Man, it, it's like I feel so lucky to have been playing the game that I like this much during Anyone those times. Who has, you yeah. know? Like since year one, yeah. anyone who's been playing since year one, not even year one, day one, like basically the first one. month, you know, like, I mean, yep. yeah, it's like very interesting. I'm so glad that I was able I remember to having to this. download this while like what it was so back. It was so bogged down those servers, like to download the game, even with like very little to no security measures on your computer's like internet connection dude, i was downloading it uh -huh. at like 600 kilobytes a second dude i remember this is just oh like this gosh. isn't this isn't this but just speaking of nostalgia i remember showing you honkai impact 
third and being like yo this game's graphics are insane <laughs> this is a phone game ah and we ended up playing it and, and that was a while ago too i was i was into it for a while but yeah. just, i didn't like the menus yeah and you know it's just the ui it's just that's like really all it was it's just that there wasn't if it was like if the if the menu for that game if the ui for that game was like you could walk around the dock like the the what is it called the bay of the ship or whatever what, what's the room called <laughs> The helm? The helm, yeah, yeah. If you could walk around there and, like, interact with stuff and that was, like, the main hub, I think it would have been way easier to stay into that game uh, at the beginning. Well, yeah, but it was built with mobile in mind. Right, and back right. then, mobile devices weren't strong. So but, it was, but it was still It came out a little impressive. too early. It was very impressive. It was, yeah. For what, um, it, for what it could do back then, it was still impressive. But I think... Th are, didn't Hoyoverse announce something for Honkai Impact? Are they doing something to that game? Any... Um, they just said that they're gonna keep working on it. Like, you know, I don't, okay. I don't think they specifically mentioned what they were gonna do. They're just like, we have things in store for the game. Like, it's not over, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna try to catch up to that game eventually, but it's just there on the side. I have it downloaded. It's like updated. It's just, um, takes a lot of time to like play through the story and actually absorb what's happening in the story. But anyway, uh, <laughs> enough about that. So, um, uh, Fox with Wings says, First Lantern Rite and First Golden Apple. People were going on about how fun it was. Sad to have missed it. Yeah. Oh, man. First Lantern Rite. What even happened in the First Lantern Rite Festival? What the heck? Do you remember? Um, that one was with... Wait, the First Lantern Rite was with Zhao. Because we were trying oh, to bring yeah. Zhao back <laughs> into the city. Yeah. Wait, that's when we met him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We were, we were like, um... Oh my god, that's right. That's just remembering like it's the actual lanterns. Yeah, we crafted and the lanterns. Everyone's like, "Show!" Set it into the. It's so cool. <laughs> oh my god. And me too. I was also like, "Ah, I love this." I still one of, to this day one of my favorite designs cool. in the whole game. He's like, great. It's so cool. Um, Retro Sky says I have two. The first is Shadows Amid so Snowstorms. Ooh, this is the Albedo story. Uh, in 2.3, I did play through the story of Suspedo and Co., but didn't do the minigames and therefore didn't receive the Cinnabar Spindle. No, you didn't get the event weapon. Sad. The second being the Zephyrs of Violent Garden, which I didn't play at all for a stupid reason. I didn't play it because I thought it would be about Ayato because he was on the official art for the event. Wait, Zephyrs of Violet Garden. Oh, why are you looking that one up? I just realized, like, the there's a sword. I think it was, like, the... The first time we went to Dragon Spine, we could craft the sword into the what's it called? It's Festering Desire. Yeah, yeah, that was the first update event. Mm-hmm. Energy recharge. And dude, the effect was increased elemental skill damage and by crit, like yeah. a certain like a high percentage, and then elemental skill crit by like a pretty high percentage. It scales with the refinement. I only got it to refinement two. Oh this no! Amazing. It's so good. I know. Like yeah. I'm stuck at like only like twenty percent more skill damage. Sad. Seven point five percent crit rate. At refinement too. That could have been awesome for every character. Hey man, one day maybe we'll get the ability to go back and get event weapons. We'll see. But um Did we just buy it outright. <laughs> <laughs> just let me buy it. Um what's it called? So yeah, okay, so what Retro Sky is talking about is the Iridori Festival event. Um so yeah, because Ayato invited everybody, but the actual event almost had nothing to do with Ayato. So I guess Retro Sky doesn't like Ayato for some reason. But um, but yeah, so that is a, that was a really good event. Dang, I'm actually, that sucks that you missed it because of that reason. Um, that was so good. I really liked the Iridori Festival. Um, so yeah, so that was actually all for Discord. What about on Spotify, Kahi? 
On Spotify, we have uh, right away, Mr. James says, 2022 Lantern Right. See ya. Hashtag Klee. Yeah, this last Lantern Right was fun. I liked it. Uh, next up, the Princessin de Verutelung uh, says, I started Genshin in December 2022. Oh, man. <laughs> December 2022. You missed a lot. Yeah. Uh, says, so I missed uh, most events. From the events that I played, my favorite was the Windbloom Festival. Yep. Those are always fun. It was great seeing those characters together and like Sino's jokes. Windbloom is good because it, you know, your first place is Mondstadt and it brings back all the Mondstadt characters. So it keeps them very, very fresh in your mind, especially since you've been playing since December I mean, 2022. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, we have people in the... Welcome. We have people in uh, Discord that have started way after that. So like like only three months. I know. FOMO, fear of yeah. missing out. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, next up, The Jester says it would be the newest TCG event because I want that bow, even though I don't play bow characters. Oh, what was the bow? Oh, it was, oh, um, dang it. what's his name? Bow. It was the bow that looks like it would be for Kave, but it's not. Like, <laughs> the elemental mastery bow. Oh, the, that The one. eye something something, I don't know. Is it Ibis Piercer? Yes, that one. Okay. Wow, you're just, yeah, it does you're just trying to make them feel bad, Kahi? No, no, I just, I didn't know what the bow was. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up, Lulu says, I don't remember what the event was called or what the version was, but it was at Scaramouche's first banner, so um, Sumeru. That was, event was so fun. I really want more events like that. The story part and the gameplay. Okay. What was the event that came out when Scaramouche came out? Let's see here. Oh, the Akitsu Kimodameshi. It's the one oh. with Ito. Oh, and yeah. The, 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 in the, the forest. Yes. The, um, the Kimodamaji. The, what's it, what do they call that in English? Um, the Test of Courage. Test of Courage game. Mm, yeah. That's what it's called. Also, Wind Trace. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> Wind Trace was around by then. Man, Wind Trace is so good. Anyway. <laughs> All right. And, uh, oh, speaking of which, next up, The Quiet Gem says, in all caps, Wind trace. Oh, perfect. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, that's what the Spotify people have said. So yeah, a lot of people love wind trace. A lot of people love, you know, lantern rights. A lot of people like TCG still. I mean, it's a game within a game. It still gives you good rewards for the actual game. Yeah. So we have a lot of other questions that we would love to answer in the future, uh, such as our next week's question. Uh, Josh, would you like to introduce it? Yeah, um, so we're going to open this one up to you guys. Now, who should be our next lore learn-along character and why? Convince us. Who do you want us to talk about for an hour plus <laughs> and why? So, um, yeah, we're going to let you guys kind of help us decide a little bit on what the next uh, one of our next podcast episodes will be. It will not be the next episode, but whatever we do a lore learn-along next, we will do the one that gets the most votes, essentially. So... Um, let us know and uh, be part of us deciding what content we're going to do. So um, let us know in the comments in either YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, or in the Discord. And um, we will we will do it. Okay. So that being said, uh, let's move on to our last wish segment. One last wish. So, Kahi, are you ready? I am ready. All right. You can go first. What are you wishing on? All right. Still gonna try and go for a nice weapon. I gotta prepare and 
you know, completely outfit what, all what my other characters. I Ooh, I don't even know. I I haven't gotten no five star weapon. I think in a we should we time. should we should um we should keep checking that like before we do one last wish. You know? Mm. Then we have an idea of like how lucky we are actually. Gotcha. Well, uh let me just check my details real quick. Some history. When was the last time I got anything from, like a five star weapon? I think I think it was Dia's weapon. Two, three. Yeah, it was Dia's weapon. How long ago? About about 20 pulls ago only 20 pulls yep because yeah once i get it i just stop and this is a weapon banner now oh. so i don't really go for okay. other people's weapons over time but might as well do something i don't really want to get another constellation i mean yule is already great i don't really need clay i don't want to pull on a standard banner for obvious reasons right but eh, let's go for a weapon so wish incoming It's blue, and so I'm on. Oh, no, me too. Mm, cold, cool steel. I used oh. to use this on Kaya. That's pretty cool. Steel. Steel? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm also going to be rolling on the weapon banner. Um, I have, I'm like 48 pity-ish. No, no, 42-ish. Um, and the last five-star weapon I got was Al Hytham's weapon, the Light of Foliar Incision. So let's see if I can get a song of broken pines. A song of broken pines. And it is also blue. Oh my god, it just doesn't change color. This is the saddest thing. And I got this Sky Rider sword. Yeah. I think that sounds cooler. Yeah, you know, so then I guess I win. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a tie. Okay, so that wraps up the show for today. Thanks for listening, and if you have the time, please leave us a comment and a review. We'd really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening. Follow us on Twitter, once again, at Genshin Guys Pod. You can follow me at JSide Gaming or Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash JSide. And you can follow Kahi at Kahiao, K-A-H-I-Y-A-O, on Twitter and on YouTube. So, as always, Ad Astra Ebisosk. Hoshito Shio Mezase. Enjoy.